Welcome to Voice of Evolution Radio, conversations that awaken, inspire, and activate with producer and host, Linda Lombardo. Welcome to Voice of Evolution Radio. I'm Linda Lombardo. This is part two of a series about highly sensitive people. HSPs sense things differently, see things differently. They can get lost in thinking about the planet, the injustice, the greed, wondering are they doing the right thing with their lives, their children. They find the world so noisy and must balance how much time is actually spent in the world. 1.4 billion people, men and women, are highly sensitive. My guest, Jacqueline Strickland, is a licensed professional counselor, coach, and workshop leader based in Fort Collins, Colorado. She has often been called the pioneer of the National and International Movement for Highly Sensitive People, or HSPs. After co-creating the HSP Gathering Retreats in 2001 with Dr. Elaine Aaron, author of The Highly Sensitive Person, How to Thrive When the World Overwhelms You, as well as four other books on the subject. Jacqueline is passionate about her vision of a world full of empowered HSPs, and that's what we're going to be talking about tonight in Part 2, How to Empower the Highly Sensitive Person. Welcome, Jacqueline, to Voice of Evolution Radio and my studio. Hi, Jacqueline. Hi, Jacqueline. Are you there? Yes, I am. Um, yes, can you hear me now? I can. Hello. Oh, good. Hi. Good. Can- <laughs> How are you tonight? Yes, I'm fine, thank you. I'm excited to be back here for part two of this topic. Yes, me too. You know, I I was thinking about last week, and to catch up the listeners who might not have been able to listen yet to the playback of last week's program, we talked a lot about how to identify the highly sensitive person And we did talk about some of the challenges because in identifying the highly sensitive person, the challenges are are inherent in in some of those um, those identities, and you know, and how do how do we know if we're highly sensitive? And and I don't want to spoil the first program for anybody who hasn't heard it. So I'm just going to encourage the listeners: if you're curious, please go back and listen to that program. And tonight, I know we're going to talk about empowerment. And the the tagline for the program, Jacqueline, is talking about thriving or even surviving in a desensitized world. And and I'm curious on your thoughts about about that. You know, and just wondering if the world is so desensitized around us, why hasn't that affected? a highly sensitive person or has it um i think i think living in a world which in our dominant culture is the majority are the other 80% of the population um as we know the hsp makes up 15 to 20% of the population so that other 80% live in a world that feels and appears normal to them. Um, it, it It is at a pace that is generally overstimulating for the remainder 20, 15 to 20% of us, um, extrovert or introvert. And as we know, out of the 15 to 20% of the population who are highly sensitive, 30% of that 15 to 20% are actually extroverts. So, um, yeah, it's an overstimulating world out there, and we have to be very cognizant of kind of making our way out there in the world. And and do the other 80% of the population 
do they just accept that stimulation as being normal? Is it, do they thrive in it? Is it, you know, could there be even a larger percent of the population that could be highly sensitive, but uh, it's it's only that 20% or 15 to 20% that that is really noticing how it's impacting them. Do yeah, you think that's possible? Yeah. Well, you know, for we HSPs, we get overstimulated and stressed out much quicker than the other 80%. And I would venture to guess that that many in the other 80% are also stressed out about our culture, which has become so fast-moving and so... Um, it's just it, the the, word, the the vision of stop to smell the roses, or being aware of the process, is just not. It's all destination oriented. It seems like in that in that dominant culture out there. So I think that many of the other eighty percent are stressed out too. But I think the highly sensitive person uh, who doesn't know about this trait and is operating in that world out there. I believe that we become sick, we um we get stressed out, we it can lead we get too much cortisol in our systems way before the other 80% and then we can start suffering from um other diagnoses such as anxiety or depression um which the HSP trait doesn't cause those those diagnoses yet living in a world as if we were part of the other 80% without honoring our trait um, can literally, you know, cause us to become ill or have a diagnosis. So there's there's a percent of HSPs who unidentified, self-identified, are really trying to keep up in the world and 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 having just such a difficult time of it because they they may either be making themselves wrong because they're not keeping up with the people around them or or maybe they're saying, well, you know, I guess I'm just an introvert, which to your point uh of of that 15 to 20%, 30% are extroverts. So the majority may still be identified as introverts and yet there are a lot of extroverts who are highly sensitive people as as well. Mhm. Yes, yes. And, and so I'm wondering I- yeah, well, I was going to add, and and I and I want to hear what you have to say. I was going to add because because you are trained in the Myers Briggs. It, it's it's interesting to to note that uh, could there be some people who show up as introverts, and what they're really responding to, or the fact that they're highly sensitive. Um. Gosh, you know. Is that a tough question? Right? Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of a, 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 a not a yes or no question. It's much more of a complex mm. answer to that question. Um, but um, I think there are many invisible, highly sensitive people, both introvert and extrovert, in in the workplaces and in the dominant culture out there. Those are the ones who are not thriving. Those are the ones who are. Uh, becoming ill, who who do have low self-esteem, who may be suffering from anxiety and or depression, and it's because they are uh, unaware of their trait and they're trying to live a life which doesn't honor their trait. So there's just so many of those um, unidentified HSPs. That's why this work is so important to to have people self-identify as as a highly sensitive person, and and that's one of the uh, five ways that I think a highly sensitive person 
can become empowered, and that's one is just self-identity, knowing about this trait, uh, knowing everything you can about the trait, and I would just highly recommend Elaine Aaron's books for that. And then secondly, you know, I do use the Myers-Briggs with all my HSP clients because that's just another um, another helpful tool to help someone uh, navigate in the world. My metaphor for that is imagining a person who's swimming in the ocean and you're out there treading water, treading water, treading water. You're getting very tired. You're seeing all these other motorboats swing by, other people swimming by fast as if they have on fins and and all this extra help to navigate and you're just treading water. And then suddenly you hear about the HSP trait and it's almost like, oh, wow, at least I have a life preserver now. At least I can just take a break. And then you find out what your Myers-Briggs type is and overlay that with the HSP trait. And it's sort of like, okay, well, your shore is this way. So you can start at least paddling with fins toward the shore, toward a shore which is uniquely yours. So to me, that's why these two labels in particular are so helpful to highly sensitive people because it just gives us a support system from which our inner self can then start to blossom and take root And what I love about that is that the highly sensitive person has some amazing qualities. It's not just that a highly sensitive person or an HSP has challenges in the world. An HSP has some beautiful qualities about them and to hear you say that there's depression and anxiety if 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 they can't identify themselves as such and begin to have something to hold on to or or there's disease and and you know illness is it's just really sad to me to hear yeah. that, because these are very creative people, aren't they, as as well as a host of other things. Yeah, I think when the HSP truly gets to know themselves, they realize that they do have unique gifts. And, and my unique gifts as an extrovert, highly sensitive person might be different from yours um, uh, or an introvert. Uh, we all have different gifts, and I think the Myers-Briggs can also help us um, understand what gifts we have to offer. And um, But yes, I think creativity and our ability to have empathy for others around us and to see the big picture oftentimes um, and to have a sense of, of the highest good um, is just, you know, really crucial. Uh, but so many HSPs, those gifts are just sort of invisible because they're hidden or, or the, the person doesn't really um, value their own gifts. And often it's hard to value one's own gifts. Often the qualities that you've mentioned are can be met with, you know, with eye rolling, you know, or I know quite often I have, um, you know, I've heard people say, okay, that's really woo-woo or that's really out there. And, you know, when, when talking about the highest good or or talking about, certainly here on the radio program, my my focus is on the next chapter of humanity. And, you know, that... That sometimes gets a skeptical look from others, mm-hmm. and and so it's so important. And I think even with highly sensitive people, to be accepted, to belong somewhere, mm-hmm. and to and to find one's own tribe, if you will, mm-hmm. that that has to be a difficulty as well. Is is the response that you get from others. You know, last week I I shared with you that I would I 
cry when others cry. If there's, you know, I feel the emotion and often take it into myself. And my dad, for you know, for not really understanding, used to say to me, "There's nothing wrong with you. What are you crying for?" Mm-hmm. And yet I knew mm-hmm. there was there was something wrong in the space. And so, how so can a highly sensitive when, when person highly value? Sen- Right, and so now, when a highly sensitive person becomes empowered, my my love that word empowered, then we are better able to withstand the eye rolling, or we're better able to come up with comments back to someone like your father who says, "Well, I don't know what's wrong with you. You know, you're you're that's not happening to me. I don't know why you're crying." You know, I think the empowered, highly sensitive person learns to say, uh, I know it's been a, a long journey for me, and it's, a, and it's a spiritual journey to become empowered, I believe. And I know in my own journey, it's been difficult to uh, have sort of a, when people say, have said things to me, so, God, you're so sensitive. You know, I've learned to say, well, thank you for noticing, you know, instead of, internalizing that oh my god i should become invisible or i should hide these tears or i should i should not show the compassion that i'm feeling about this social justice issue when someone you know says something in a negative tone i just say well thank you so much for noticing yes i am quite sensitive and um and and these tears they're really great tears you know um, just to kind of reframe a person's, the negativity that they receive, which leads me to the second thing that highly sensitive people need to do to thrive is once you have a strong sense of self from your Myers-Briggs type and knowing about your HSP trait, then you go back on your whole life and you start reframing all the experiences. Um Oh, for example, mine. Oh, so that's why I dropped out of college my first year. That's why my uh, grade point average was 1.2, which is a true story for me. Uh, you know, you can just start looking at the overstimulation that you were, uh, that was surrounding you or the choices that you made, which were based on comparing yourself to other people and trying to live a life that, is not healthy for an HSP. So reframing your whole life with new information about your HSP trait is such a crucial uh, step in becoming empowered. I hear how important that is. And for me, I, I I would reframe it by saying it's taking the old stories... And creating new ones, but the same the same data is giving it that different perspective of the highly sensitive person, and yes. taking something that might be seen as a negative and turning it into a, a more positive story. Perhaps maybe even where you get to be the hero of your own story, as opposed to somehow uh, not being, you know, for being forever the victim. Uh, being uh, the, something other than the hero of your own story. Mm-hmm. And we should really all be, without ego, be the hero of our own stories, shouldn't we? Otherwise, Absolutely. why are we stories? <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that's why Brene Brown's work uh, is so valuable. Her latest book is Rising Strong, and the one before that was Daring Greatly. And there's a part of me that thinks Brene Brown is probably a highly sensitive person, but she talks about owning our stories and owning our experiences. And and I've found, you know, with the clients that I've worked with that are highly sensitive, it's it's sort of like this, this revalidation of going way, way back and realizing for many it's sort of this oh my gosh, knowing what I've always known to be true, but other people told me I that it wasn't true. But looking back and reframing our lives and knowing that our compassion and our empathy and our tears and our feelings of, of uh, just being different were real. And, and uh, so we just need to learn to honor that and show up in a way... Um, that if we don't 
honor ourselves first, then it's going to be very difficult to receive that from other people. Or we're going to constantly be on the defensive. So when someone says, God, you're so sensitive, well, well, I'm sensitive too. If we haven't done the work to honor our trait within ourselves and, and value our gifts, we're going to more than likely be defensive instead of um, just standing tall and and uh, and and I love my the word empowered. I'd like to talk about that just briefly because it you know this word power can have such a negative connotation of power over others or or and really I look at the word power or empowerment as the ability to initiate change on behalf of oneself or others. So I think we have to be able to initiate change on behalf of ourselves, whether that be in our interpersonal relationships, in our work, um, or in the world out there, how we show up in the world out there. Uh, it's got to come from from an inner place of strength for us. And and again, it's a journey. It's not an easy journey. Um, but it's one we all have to to start if we haven't already. And I, I agree. And I know there are uh, more ways to thrive or to empower ourselves. I, I want to go back, though, to the idea of the self-knowledge or the self-identifying and the reframing how would someone if they if as they're listening and saying you know I believe I'm I'm a highly sensitive person and and you recommended Elaine Aaron's book and and, and if they wanted to reframe that's I mean that's deep work to reframe your stories how might they go about doing that? What's a resource? I'm 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 thinking you're a resource. In some ways, I knew, know you do retreats for highly sensitive mm-hmm. people. Are there mm-hmm. other resources for someone who wants to reframe their story? Where would they even begin? Oh gosh, you know, um, it's really a matter of just thinking back on your life and looking at it through new eyes. You can do it with yourself. You can do it in a group. One of Elaine Aaron's books is very helpful for that. It's called The Highly Sensitive Person Workbook, and she takes you back into um, various stages of, of reframing. I think that would be an excellent resource. And, oh, that's and the wonderful. Other, yeah, it's very helpful, and she's even got suggestions there on how to do that within a group. So um, there's so many HSP um, groups out there on social media, Facebook, et cetera, that you could um, conceivably, you know, get a group together and, and go through the workbook with other people. Another another thing that I strongly encourage people to do, which um, leads me to my to the third thing that all HSPs need to do in order to thrive is you have to heal from past wounds. So in in reframing helps us do that. So one of the beautiful tools that that I that we often do at one, at the gatherings um, at various times is I have people bring a picture of themselves at the, about the age of ten. Or I encourage you to, um, many of my clients, to start accumulating pictures of themselves from like as early as they can remember. Like I have one of myself at 18 months and 3 and 5 and 7 and 9 and on up through your, you know, until you feel that you've sort of become empowered. Mine was, I think my, I call it your inner child picture book. Um and you go back and you look at that child and like there's a picture of me at Easter and I'm sitting on this porch swing and I have on this sticky petticoat and I remember I was it, it was my father who I was never comfortable around but the look on my face 
it's just like, I mean, I go back and I re- I look into that child's eyes and I give her the words to say what she was really thinking and feeling at that time. And so what she was thinking and feeling was, I hate this petticoat. It's scratching my legs. I don't want to wear this petticoat. I don't want to be here with you. I want to go home. Um, just to, to sort of go back and heal from some of those early wounds and, and, and reframe your reality at that time. Just letting yourself know that, wow, you did know what you knew. You did know how you felt. Um, and that tends to really help give a person a, a stronger sense of feeling heard. You know, as you were describing that, that was really resonant for me. And and I would say even up to a couple of years ago, I could say the reverse was true, where I would be having a picture taken, whether it was with a group of people or one other person, and looking at the camera and smiling, and at the same time thinking, I wonder when I look back at this picture, will I remember what's going on in my mind right now, even though I'm looking at the camera and I'm smiling. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I can't tell you how resonant that was for me. There's a, there was a self-awareness that I was going to smile for the camera and yet I you know I either didn't want to be there something had happened where I so I wasn't feeling 100% uh fulfilled or feeling as if I you know I really wanted to be where I was at the moment and mm-hmm. and so I think that's a really powerful tool uh, to be able to go back and certainly going back as a child because Typically, children don't have that voice, or maybe maybe just growing up when, when we grew up or within that, that range of time, we did not have that voice that many children have today. So it was be seen, not heard, and sometimes it was, wasn't even be seen. And, and so I think there is a powerful uh, child voice within those mm-hmm. photos for all of us to go back and look. So that's a, that's an absolutely fabulous, fabulous tool. Yeah, I think it's really, uh, it's been really helpful to many of my clients. And I wouldn't suggest doing it alone if you have some heavy, major traumatic events in your life. Uh, I wouldn't want to open up a lot of wounds for someone who wasn't able to self-contain in the, if you were going to do this process. So be gentle with yourself if you do choose to do that. But I do think it's really, really important. And when you give the children, your inner children, a voice in their experience, as if you were this you know, ideal parent who knows all about the HSP trait, and given that, you know, how would, could it have been different in that instance? How would it have felt if you had been seen and heard? And just imagining how that, what that felt sense would have been like is really, um, it really is a, a felt sense within the body that can carry you forward to being stronger, to show up on how you, when, how you truly think and feel about something in your present day. So, um, and again, I just think so many HSPs are invisible or they're wearing masks and they're not um, letting their true self shine. And and it is sad because our unique perspective adds so much to our world uh, and it's such a needed perspective. I believe. Yes. And as as you were describing the 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 photo activity, I a couple of years ago, I attended it was a coaching conference. And there was this beautiful workshop that spoke to me about as as an HSP and often not having a voice or not sharing what had happened to me, whether it felt traumatic or it was 
and overstimulation and something I couldn't articulate. There was this beautiful exercise in which we wrote down a story that that was significant to us, and it was a time, it was something that could have been traumatic uh, in many ways, and then we wrote it from our own perspective about what happened or why did somebody not respond to me why you know why did somebody not understand me and then we rewrote the story from the third party perspective as if somebody were observing what mm-hmm. happened taking all of our own emotion out of it and the mm-hmm. interesting thing that happened at least for me was that i realized that I never spoke up about my feelings. So mm-hmm. the 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 people who happened to be my parents, who I kept saying, well, they didn't care, they didn't ask, they didn't think I might have been traumatized by what just happened, and do you, do you want to talk about this? I realized that I put on such a beautiful mask in the world, they probably had no idea that everything Mm -hmm. wasn't okay. And Mm -hmm. I know that that is not just me. So I, you know, I share that story because I think there are others out there in the world when you talk about the mask who are saying, well, I'll just pretend it's all okay. And then they wonder why people are not responding to them or aren't caring. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy that I think that that could be a real challenge for an Mm -hmm. HSP. Yes, So I was curious about what you thought about that. Yeah, I think that... um, I think you described it really well. I think some children have, and adults, have learned to adapt so much to the dominant culture that their true self is hidden away and in in many instances it's really not safe to take your mask off and i think intrinsically many people might realize that um and so it's a slow process of of i i sometimes equate it to and, and yeah, I, I do sometimes equate it to the idea of coming out as an HSP. Uh, for many people, it's pretty traumatic. I know a lot of people who come to the HSP gatherings. They have a profound life experience. They are in tears at the end of it because it's over, and yet they go back to work and they lie about where they were. They don't say they were at a retreat for highly sensitive people. They just say, oh, I went away for the weekend or I went away for a short vacation. And because they don't feel safe identifying as a highly sensitive person. And so, again, you know, I think it's a slow process of coming out, owning your trait, um, not being ashamed of it, being able to speak intelligently about it with out being defensive, um, but again, it just takes such practice, and um, and so that kind of leads to this, you know, uh, fourth way of thriving in the world, and that's kind of knowing when and how to be out in the world. So, yeah, I don't encourage highly sensitive people to go back from a retreat, uh, gathering retreat for highly sensitive people, and announce to their entire workplace, oh unless they feel confident, of course, or ready to do so. Oh, I went to this wonderful four-day retreat for highly sensitive people, and I think you're one, and I think you're one. I mean, if you feel if you feel confident enough to do that, great. But many people don't because of the uh, misunderstanding about the trait. And um, so this idea of knowing when and how to be out in the world, it's knowing when to take off your mask uh, course i always i'm i'm at a stage in my development that i don't wear a mask anymore uh but for some people it's an it's part of their journey to realize okay i'm wearing one today because it's not safe here but as soon as i get home i'm taking it off or um i'm going to talk to one person tomorrow in my workplace so it's you know it's an individual journey for for everyone really 
And they're not safe. The danger there is being misunderstood, being labeled, being criticized, um, now being the highly sensitive person. And so there's always someone in the group who turns to you and says, well, since you're the highly sensitive person, I'm sure you're reacting this way right now. And and so it's when you talk about staying safe, it's it's the being misunderstood and the being labeled that also adds to the highly sensitive person's anxiety. At at the same time, it becomes a it almost becomes a catch twenty two. You want to share it once you do often it creates the same kind of anxiety mm-hmm. that you are mm-hmm. already experiencing in the workplace if it doesn't elicit the understanding or the right. so appreciation. That's why I, I encourage people to go through these steps of self-identity, reframing, healing from past wounds, then knowing when and how to be out in the world. Then when you do reveal that you're a highly sensitive person, you're going to do it with so much more grace and so much more elegance, and you're going to be able to handle uh, negative remarks or or sarcastic remarks. Um, you're going to be able to handle those so much easier um, just by having done the work prior to um, sharing this trait with just anyone. But there's still people in my life that I don't talk about the trait with. One, because uh, I know they're not interested. And two, they they are never going to be interested. So it's kind of like I don't really want to um, waste my time giving information to somebody that's going to just use it against me or uh, who isn't truly interested. So there are many people that I don't talk about it with, but there's probably many more people that that I do talk about it with. And so how are you with those people? I think the Bible says something about... um, Oh gosh, what is it? I'm not I'm not an expert in the Bible, but I do love some of the passages. Don't throw your pearls before swine. Uh, so it's oh, yes, like pearls before the, swine, yes. Yeah, so don't throw your HSP your beautiful HSP self and trait before before someone who's just gonna walk all over it. It's like, no thanks. I think I'll pass. And so how are you with those people? If those are people in your life and you know they're not they're not really interested and they're never going to be interested, how how are you with those people in a way that still honors who you are? Yeah. Oh what a great what a great question and what a uh well let me tell you, it has not been easy. Um there are certain people in my family uh, not my immediate family, but in my extended family, who are those. And so when I'm around those people, uh, which thankfully for me, it's not too often, maybe every couple of years for 48 to 72 hours, it's almost <laughs> like I tell myself for the next 72 hours, I'm going to wear this mask, I'm going to say, isn't it a beautiful day, and isn't this dinner for dinner just wonderful? And I'm going to be nice, and I'm going to be cordial, but I'm not going to share my truest thoughts and feelings because I know they will not be honored in a way that I honor them. So I just tell myself, I go for lots of walks, I leave the house, I go... When when the group wants to go shopping or go here, go there, I usually say, I think I'm going to stay home and I'm reading this great book. Or, um, you know, I just find ways to take care of myself. Uh, and I consciously know I'm wearing a mask, but at least I'm wearing it authentically within myself, if that makes sense. It does. I like that, actually, the, the wearing it authentically and having it be a prop that you bring with you if you need to, and so yeah. you're conscious of it. I I, yeah. I think I think that goes from saying I used to wear this and I had no idea I was wearing it, and now, 
You know, now I bring it out if I need to. And and it's okay to do that, for, you know, for yeah. the sake of whether it's it's um, your own safety or sanity or that just the fact that you know it's not going to be valued. I I find myself, if I'm in those situations and for some reason I've decided to share or I'm uh, I'm sharing something and it you can just tell that it's really falling flat or it's it's not landing or it this is when someone either talks over you or it just totally changes the subject i get that here you know here was a moment where i figured let me bring it out and see and and there isn't that feeling of having been hurt there is oh okay not here you know, mm-hmm. or I'm, you know, it's just something so much simpler, perhaps, knowing that it's not always going to be valued, and mm-hmm. and I think that's true of others as well. That's that you know, everybody's got traits that that not everyone else values, and mm-hmm. and so it makes us pretty typical in the world from from that perspective it's just how we handle it versus how someone else might handle it happening to him or her that uh, that I think makes the difference being being highly sensitive right but you know I do think it's important to say that <clears throat> in your own immediate family your children your spouse the people that that supposedly love you and care for you to wear a mask is not a healthy thing to do i mean i think one of the true traits of uh, of a really healthy family is can the individuals involved you know be who they truly are and still have a sense of belonging can they say what they truly think and feel and need without fear of repercussion so you know those are the kind of families that we need to strive to make our immediate families uh i mean i think those are challenges for all families to be able to do but um it's crucial to feel safe somewhere and if you can't do it in your own family then you might need some professional help to find a way to make some changes right are there any other steps in uh, in empowerment for a highly sensitive yeah, um, person, you know, and these steps that I mentioned, um, they're really um, Elaine Aaron mentions mentions them in her first book at the very beginning, and it's just a few, just in a little paragraph or so. She doesn't go much into it, but um, uh, at at the retreats uh, we go into these a lot, and so I think the fifth way, and even Elaine Aaron has added a fifth one now, is is this idea of uh, finding a way to experience what it's like to be with other highly sensitive people. So, again, the HSP gathering retreats are a wonderful way to do that. And I know all across the U.S. and and the world, in fact, uh, there's so many now meetups for highly sensitive people and and ways to meet other HSPs. So just... um, you know, being with other highly sensitive people is really uh, not only refreshing but validating, and and uh, it's just a different it's just a different experience going from reading about highly sensitive people, identifying as one, to being with other people who are who also identify as such. It's really a powerful experience. It's like meeting yourself somewhere. Yeah. It's like, you know, yeah, it's like, as I was sharing, I think it was last week, you know, the the woman that was 75 and had said, you know, at the end of our four days together that, you know, in holding back sobs, truly, that, you know, you people know me better than anybody in my whole life. And it saddens me that I had to wait 75 years to know what it feels like. So, you know, that's really powerful. So, I know when we spoke last week, 
there you had yet to formulate a schedule for the retreats for 2016 and and I'm I'm thinking that w- since we spoke only 7 days ago chances are still good that that's <laughs> that that's the case how can the listeners find out more about the retreats though and and also more about HSP and your work okay um well they're they're always announced uh the the gatherings are always announced in my newsletter which is called HSP Highlights and Insights. And you can sign up for that newsletter by going to my website, which is lifeworkshelp.com. At the top of that first page, it says subscribe to our newsletter. So they're always announced there. And the gatherings are always announced on Elaine Aaron's websites under events. And her website is hsperson.com. So um, I I will be putting out, I know we're going to have one in Colorado where I live, uh, most likely in Estes Park. The last one we had in Colorado was 2009. So uh, I know we're going to have one in Colorado, and it's likely that we're going to have one in Michigan, too, um, with uh, utilizing um, equine therapy and and, uh, my co-host there is uh, an equine therapy um, trainer for utilizing horses and taking um, advantage of their great sensitivity and learning from horses. So, um, yeah, it looks like I can tell you for sure Colorado and Michigan uh, will probably are going to be two of them, two of the destinations. So I can't tell you the exact dates yet, but... Just go to either website and sign up for that. You can sign up for Elaine's newsletter, The Comfort Zone, at her website, too, hsperson.com, and she always announces them. Wonderful. And yours, again, is lifeworkshelp.com. Right, for that. right. I, I got to do a little bit of equine work with a friend who is certifying in that work in upstate New York and Oh good. Oh it was fascinating. It was oh, absolutely good. fascinating to um kind of tune in or ha- you know have a have a horse tune into you, you tune into that horse and uh, get get involved in working with that horse in a way where y- you really truly lose yourself in the work mm-hmm. and seeing mm-hmm. the effect that that has on that horse or on the horses even around you mm-hmm. you know the the kind of the release that it has when um when you can really get in the zone or you can really uh, feel the energy read each other's energy it was it was just beautiful work so yeah i think the one it in is michigan work fascinating yes it yeah is. i'm really happy that this person reached out and um uh, offered, wanted to do this and wanted to co-host it, and she has a farm with horses, so hopefully we're going to get that to work out, and uh, I know Elaine Aaron's doing some um, HSP and horses work as well in California, so um, yeah, I think it's definitely a wonderful, another wonderful avenue for growth, and as we know, horses are very sensitive, and um, we can learn so much from them, so and we did say last week that it's highly highly sensitive is not exclusive to humanity that the right. same percent of animals as humans can be classified yeah. as highly sensitive and they are very valuable members of whatever species they are in because of their ability to read space, to look for danger, to just to feel the slightest change in the environment around them and right. um and a host of other things as as well. So it it's really interesting that it's not only hu- humans who have this yeah. specific mm-hmm. genetic trait. Right, right. 
So there's so much work being done around the world with highly sensitive people and and now bringing in the equine-assisted therapy with horses and um, just so many opportunities for growth and to become empowered, to become to have the ability to initiate change on behalf of yourself or to create more nurturing uh, environments for ourselves as highly sensitive people. And even if you have to start with just one corner of your whole house as being a tiny nurturing space for the highly sensitive person. Maybe you would have a small table with a beautiful cloth on it with a candle. And maybe you would go there each day to just to meditate or write in your journal. I mean, even if you can just create one tiny area that's nurturing and real where your authentic self can can start to allow him or herself to be known there, um, then you just move out from that with more confidence into other relationships and uh, hopefully creating environments that you can thrive in. I really like that idea of the environment, the HSP, and the in, their own environment, what they've created. I think that's it's so important. And and in a lot of spiritual practice, there there always is some meditative space. There is there is something that, uh, being creative, I think many of us have naturally around us, and to create it intentionally for mm-hmm. our own well being. I you know that almost feels like the topic of an uh, you know a, a whole other program to talk about environment and what can you do as an HSP to to make your own environment soothing and conducive to being mm-hmm. highly sensitive yeah oh, and i like to look at two environments i i call not just not just thinking about our external environments of our workplace or our bedroom or our living room or our home but you know going even further to your own internal environment your own internal landscape of of just being aware of your body and being aware when you're feeling anxious and being aware of when have you eaten last and um just you know that internal environment. What what's it like? Um, I know you and I are talking briefly. I was saying I had a really busy day and was feeling very overstimulated. So just tuning into that and doing my own deep breathing to to soothe my body, to soothe my nervous system. We have to take control of our HSP self care and and soothe our bodies. Soothe. Um, and there's so, and how I do that, and how other people do it. I think we all are so unique that it's not one right, not one size fits all. But generally speaking, meditation, walking in nature, for me, taking a hot bath in the evening with Epsom salts or drops of lavender um, essential oil. I mean, just things that I can do to to constantly be aware of what's nourishing me internally as well as externally. And for me, it's time. Mm. I, I don't know if I perceive time differently. I, you know, I can wake up early in the morning and say, I feel a little anxious and say, you know, I only have four hours before I have to be somewhere before I'm going out. And, and anyone else might wake up in the morning, I, I make this up, might wake up and say, this is great, I've got four hours before I have to. But there's this whole routine for me about waking up gently, having time, uh, you know, whether it's over my coffee or my tea, uh, allowing something inspirational to wash over me, whether it's a TED Talk or whether I read an article that I I mm-hmm. chose to or, a, or some of the online courses that I enroll in and doing some of the assigned readings or watching the videos and mm-hmm. having time to really think about things or feel things is important to me. 
So I've I've noticed that in myself that I might wake up and say, oh, no, I've only got four hours. And then I laugh <laughs> because I'm thinking, people must think I'm crazy. Anybody else would say, you got four hours. What are you worried about? Mm, and yet yeah. that pace for me before I go out in the world and I pick up speed is mm. so important to have that slower pace. I think that's beautiful, Linda, and I hope people you know, take that seriously. I think that's a beautiful way to do self-care and it kind of ties in with that kind of knowing when and how to be out in the world. And I find myself doing the same thing every morning. I it's uh, I sort of think about what's coming my way today. Uh, what individuals am I coming in contact with that may nurture, nurture me or that may uh, not nurture me? What kind of environments am I going to be involved in? What kind of work am I going to be involved in today so that I can kind of mentally prepare my immensely and emotionally prepare myself for how I want to show up and so from giving yourself that time to either meditate or to process on an inspirational uh, YouTube or reading um, you know I, I sort of I do the same thing every morning just to kind of set the tone for my uh, and my intention for the day and, and and be prepared for challenges that are going to come my way so that I won't be caught off guard, so that I won't be engulfed by the dominant culture out there, that I won't be um, without my wits about me, uh, that I'll have my whole HSP self intact, and I can kind of just, as I said earlier, find my way and feel my way in the world out there uh, from a from a place of feeling whole instead of a place of feeling fragmented and overstimulated and uh, pulled in too many different directions. I I think that's beautiful, and I hope the listeners, if if they take away anything, I hope it is to understand their own rhythm in the world and uh, and really honor it. Find find yeah. the ways to honor it. I know it took me a long time to honor that feeling of of wanting, just wanting time. That was mine, mm-hmm. and um, and it's such a oh, such a delicious thing to have. And when, I know we're almost out of time, but I want to make sure that highly sensitive people who are out there saying to themselves, well, it's wonderful that Linda and Jacqueline can do that because they've got time, but I don't. I'm working 40, 50 hours a week. Just know that, you know, you and I have been on this journey to self-discovery and HSP empowerment for a while. I've been on it for over 15 years. So, it, you know, start slow with yourself. Be gentle with yourself. No, it's not going to change in one week or two weeks or even maybe a year, but just know that each day you're making small changes which will accumulate and you can then experience this beautiful sense of time and our own rhythm and honoring who we are and showing up in the world with our light shining instead of having to hide. Oh, that's so great. So great. And and know too that for for twenty something years I, you know, ran out of the house every morning, feeling as if there were things just hanging off of me, flying off of me. And and so it you're right, it is a journey and it is a process. So right. I wanna thank you so much for being my guest, Jacqueline. This has been so enriching and rewarding being part of this conversation, not just tonight, but last week as well in this two-part series on highly sensitive people. So thank you so much. And I do hope you'll come back and we can have more conversations about this. Well, thank you, Linda. It's been wonderful to be here and it's wonderful to be part of this movement, this national and international movement. And uh, you're definitely um, doing a great deal to enhance that and, and empower individuals. So thanks for having me and it's been Uh, a pleasure you're very welcome and I want to let my listeners know that next week I have Steve Tulowitzki and Sue Abu El Samid they are back and they are going to have a conversation on the air again as part of their quest in the world called One Conversation 
They're all about helping people create new stories created from the present through deeply curious, meaningful conversation. And I also want to thank my listeners for keeping us on the air. We so need your continued support. Please go to voiceofevolutionradio.com, see the ways that you can participate with us. Until our next conversation, thanks again for your work in the world, Jacqueline. Good night. And good night, Mm -hmm. everyone. Good night, everyone. Bye.